Welcome to this special episode of the Hive Live podcast as we take an introspective look at influencing entrepreneurs, a video and teaching series by our friend Cass Ward. On this episode, we'll break down some of the key points of his interview with Chris Elmore of Avid Exchange. I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim Bear and Cass Ward as we dive into episode 105 of Influencing Entrepreneurs. And during this episode, we'll look at the following topics, impact versus financial success, business plan as an exercise, pivoting your value proposition, and communication. So let's start with that first point, Cass, impact versus financial success. And Cass, where do you see the value of the lesson learned when it comes to that from what you gathered from Chris? Well, this was a great discussion on the entrepreneurial mindset. And there, there's a quote that, that Chris says in the middle of the interview about he knows a lot of entrepreneurs that go into business just to make money and it's a recipe for disaster. When I talk about selling, it's not just to your customers. One of the biggest sales you have to make is to your family. Right. And that was the thing is that, well, first of all, my wife, she believed in the whole thing. But the toughest part were the people around, you know, the extended family that would say, you know, you should have a little bit more, you should be doing more. Or the worst part of it is you got your, your buddies who, you know, got a great job at the bank, not busting on the bank, but, you know, they're buying boats and they're going to Paris on vacation. You know, we're, we're just trying to eat at Subway. We thought that was pretty cool. So uh, that was the hardest part of the whole thing. He accurately portrays the picture of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. He even at one point talks about how he would have to go into the kitchen and stand by the refrigerator or the stove to get hot or cold during the, the, the hard months. And the startup of a company is there's a huge buy-in. The impact it has on the entrepreneur, the organization, and even extenuating circumstances such as your family, it's dire. So you need a lot of buy-in. And the impact it can have doesn't automatically turn into huge financial financial success. He gave, I, I've been there, you guys have been there, and so has he. You struggle to get through that first year. You're, you're looking just to make a paycheck, you're looking to become profitable. And he talks about it's hard to watch all of the, all of the other people in your neighborhood buying new cars, going on vacations, and ask yourself, is this worth it? Now I saw an article, it made me think, I saw an article the other day about entrepreneurship and percentage of growth in entrepreneurs. Last 20 or 30 years, I believe, no change. In, in people starting businesses, which was interesting to me because you hear about it more than ever, but it said it's really flatlined. There, there's not any more entrepreneurs now than there were in 1975. If I really would take a look and study, if I were to study this, I this is my guess of what you would find. While there is no greater um, number of entrepreneurs out there, the use of the word entrepreneur and entrepreneurship has grown considerably. It is a buzzword right now. And it probably has been a buzzword for about 15 years or so. First place I actually heard the, the term used was back when um, Sean Combs, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy started a fashion wear. Well done. Yeah. All the, the diversified and, uh, you really know, all the names. knowledge there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You could throw Mason there, but I don't think, I don't know how many names he had. But nonetheless, as he, uh, I, I think it is P. Diddy now, um, the, uh, when he came out and started a fashion line, it was his first entrepreneurial um, endeavor, and he was very public about it. And it was very, it was motivating. 
I want to, we've, we've seen a lot of people in the music industry have great fame and fortune and squander it. And, and he said, no, I want to make my money work for, for itself. He already had a dream job, but he even made the investment to say, this may not last forever. So let me find something else that I love as well. He did not, uh, probably for his entrepreneurial endeavor, he wasn't, you know, living the hard life but probably to become uh, a musician did. So there is always that struggle. We, he, um, Chris Elmore mentioned his overnight success was a 15-year night. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what I enjoy about this episode with Chris is, you know, he is a great storyteller. Uh, he understands the, the purpose of story, the use of it, and how to set it up. Um, and so what I think that I, you know, for the longest time, I didn't know what Abbott Exchange did. I only knew that there's this great company and it was one of the unicorns of, of the country and, you know, the billion dollar business that's still private, that kind of stuff, but didn't know what they did until we started working with them. And the first time I heard about it was from Chris himself in a tour of the facility with EO. Um, and I think he does such a good job of, you know, not glossing over the hard stuff that it takes to build something this big. I think where tendency is when you find success, you only remember the good stuff. It's like going to Vegas and you only remember the times you won, but you don't remember the trips that you lost on. I know I'm guilty of that. Uh, but <laughs> that's sort of where he's his real, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just his real talent and being able to, to share some of that rawness of what they've gone through. Yeah, he was totally honest, uh, which is fantastic. I mean, candid, uh, personable, and all his responses to what you would throw at him. Uh, the other area where he was he was really honest about was the business plan. And I'm sure you, as as a teacher and instructor, and even Tim and I, were in their environment, get questions about: Do we need a business plan? Do, how do we do this? And and Chris, I, I believe he was essentially like, No, you don't you don't always need a business plan, but it's great to sort of check the box. Well, these interviews were created for my entrepreneurship class that is completely built on building a business plan. And the disclaimer I give in the first class is, this is an exercise. Right now, we are going to gather all of the research we need to figure out what it takes to run this business. Who our customer is, who our competitors are, what pricing should be, what profit margins, what, where's the economic benefit? Is there an economic benefit? And as a side note, you can actually do a business plan to come up with that this just isn't worth it. So that exercise then, Cass, I mean, it's, it's a gathering of intel, right? That's information, key information that you're going to put at work within the rest of the company, whether that be growth, execution, activation. Yes, and, and it really is, is just as much of an art form as it is a, an exercise. A lot of people think, I'm going to build a business plan and it is going to be a manual for how to run this business. That manual will come after everything's been done and executed and refined. This is a communications document for your team, your investors, your management team, everybody you're bringing on board to let them know what expectations are. You're really just putting this out there to say, this is our mantra. These are the things we think we know and be candid. These are the things we don't know anything about. This is a risk for our company. In almost every scenario, the ability to read a situation, pivot in a different direction is critical to this continued success of a business. So let's get into that pivoting your value proposition. 
what are we talking about when we talk about pivoting our strategy? So Chris tells the story perfectly that they started during, you know, the, uh, the tech bubble in the late 1990s. And while doing so, they, uh, they were getting lost. They were, they were an exchange just for other types of services. And they had one customer that said, hey, I'm having trouble matching the digital documents to my paper documents. And they asked, they said, is there any way you could do that for us? And the question was, can we charge you for it? So they really, they put themselves in the marketplace and find, found out where there was value that they could provide. So the exchange, we were on every raise zero, no money. So what happened was we tried to sell our offering and people just weren't interested in buying it. So we changed that idea and we went to a second idea. And uh, same outcome, people just weren't interested in it. And then the third idea, it was a complete failure. You know, it was worse than the first two. But then, so we had managed to get six customers. One of our customers said on the third idea, we've created a problem for him. And the problem was you go online and purchase everything, but then what happens is you send us uh, a paper invoice and, and I, I'm unable to take the digital purchasing requisition and the paper invoice and match them. And he really simply said, is there any way that you can uh, digitize the invoice so I can match them? And um, we said, would you be willing to pay for that? That was because we were completely broke. Yeah, I thought that was just such a brilliant question. Would you pay for that? And it's like such a, uh, you know, a natural, normal question, but something we would be so hesitant to ask in a business situation because you're like, I should know all the answers. And to, again, make yourself vulnerable and say, would you pay for that? Then, then it led them down this direction, which, I mean, amazing story to be where they are now today. I mean, how often do we see that? I mean, we've done this before. We've said, well, what's our next step? Do we come up with another idea? Do we... Do we start another company? We, this one's going well. Let's ke- keep the, the machine oiled and go, go do something else as well. And I think often we overcomplicate our thinking process rather than this small piece of value that you can offer. Because quite often, especially in a product sense, it's a simple tweak to something that exists that makes it that much better that succeeds. And when does, it, when does it actually require a pivot is a big question because, again, no different than entrepreneur, pivoting became a huge buzzword back in 2016. Businesses were pivoting. Uh, elections were pivoting. Everybody was pivoting, but they had no idea what it meant. And in running the business, and, and really the example you just gave, Jared, we, we focus, successful businesses focus on what they're doing and what they do well. We also want to create values in other areas. So one of two things happens. A question like this comes across and we're like, oh yeah, we'll do that too, as long as we keep doing what we're good at. Or we ask the question, will you pay that? And all of a sudden we've got 10 million different things we do because people will pay for it. His was a true pivot to the point to say, will you pay for this? And we're gonna focus on that. And that was a major, major decision point. That's a great point because I think we've done the well, we'll throw that in type thing and it doesn't become another offering. It becomes just something we threw in for X project. Um, But now when you look at it, it wasn't just that it was another offering. It became the business, 
Um, so that's that is a great point. Um, we've talked about in other episodes about the importance of con- uh, of communication and an entrepreneur's piece of that puzzle and how they communicate about their business. What is that role for them? And and in this story, how do you see that playing out? Well, Chris is an author, and I love that the interview started out that his degree was in theology. He's got an English background. It's amazing, the list of stuff that he has in there. (laughs) And what's funny is, uh, I, I, I don't even promote this that much. I have an accounting degree, but I got an English degree at the same time, and a lot of people have always said, well, why'd you waste your time with that? And in a world of accounting, I use my English degree more than anything else I've ever used in the classroom. So what, where's the differentiator there? He, he knows how to communicate with the audience he has at the time. And we spent a long time. We went down the road on PowerPoint presentations. We talked about... Um, our written communications, everything that we need to do to convey our message to our stakeholders. It is, while the the business plan isn't really a document, like I said before, it is an outline of everything that we're going to do. And it's gotta be clear to my closest teammate and somebody coming off the street joining the organization for the first day. And I mean, one thing I will say, just having little bits of uh, interaction with Avid Exchange, Mike Prager, obviously the CEO, um, he seems to be the guy that's in there making sure everything's happening. He's also the guy that's out there raising all the money, um, but he isn't the guy that's trying to tell their story. They found someone in Chris who can tell that story effectively, and it, it adds another tool to their chest that maybe Mike didn't have or Mike isn't great at, and so they've utilized Chris in this really good role. And one other point, too, you touched upon the PowerPoints, but he, he really got into his methodology behind how he delivers these, and you shouldn't go X amount of words per slide and, and all those things. And he had it well thought out. I mean, some of it was things you're like, oh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. But I, I think he has strategy connected to everything he does, including something as basic as a PowerPoint, where he puts a lot of focus on crafting that up. Well, when you want to have an impactful conversation, you got to identify your audience and figure out as quickly or as efficiently how to engage them, how to get them to not only just listen to what you're saying, but also get them to talk back to you. Because asking those questions would have never had that first client say, hey, can you match these documents up for me? That'll wrap up this episode. We encourage you to watch the full video episode of Cass's interview with Chris Elmore. By visiting influencingentrepreneurs.com, you can find out more about Spiracle Media by heading over to our website, spiracalmedia.com. For Tim Barron, Cass Ward, I'm Jared Latch saying thanks for joining us.